Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 101, featuring Trek 101. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse. I am the host of the Trek Ranks Podcast, and tonight we've got a very different topic for you. It's the 101st episode of Trek Ranks, so we're calling this one Trek 101, and we're doing a topic that basically allows our guests to define their own lists on their own prime directive, so something personal to them, and it's going to be kind of informational educational it's an episode of trek ranks that's going to help newcomers and veterans alike i think maybe think about trek in a few different ways so it's trek 101 and we'll find out exactly where we're going to go with this topic in our prime directive section of the show in just a couple of minutes but joining me tonight for this cool unique topic first up she's back for her second go around on trek ranks coming to us from the wisconsin expanse it's abby summer abby welcome back thanks jim always so thrilled to be here Awesome. You were here about 10 episodes ago for Buzzer Beaters, which was a fun topic. It was. That was a good one. And back for his fourth episode of Trek Ranks via the subspace corridor in the great sector of Pennsylvania, who came through for us in 2020. It is Thad Haight. Mr. Thad. Hi. Hey. (laughs) I'm glad to be here as well. Good to have you back. Your first appearance is all the way back. I looked it up in episode 24, the top five scenes in a shuttlecraft. So uh, that's going back quite a ways. And glad to have you guys both on for this uh, unique topic. So let's get into our Trek Ranks recalibration so we can get to it. Let's start with something small, like a recalibration of the EPS manifolds. As regular listeners will know by now, general order number one of the Trek Ranks charter is that we love Trek. We love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to really get the conversation started. And remember, it's not about the ranks. That's just an excuse to talk about Star Trek. Because as Mr. Spock himself has said, our show is all about... Infinite diversity in infinite combinations, symbolizing the elements that create truth and beauty. No wrong answers. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's just about sharing the things we love about Trek, and we love it all from TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise, and the Coven timeline, now Discovery, Short Trek, Star Trek Picard, and Lower Decks as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Black alert. Black alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through the ninth and 10th episodes of the third season of Star Trek Discovery, which was that great two-parter, Terra Firma. And one final reminder that we use episodes as shorthand, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Have boosted power to the communications bandwidth. We appreciate that extra subspace amplification, Mr. Kim. And you can find Trek Ranks on subspace at trekranks.com. You can contact me directly on Twitter at trekranks or at Enterprise Extra. And you can call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP at 609-512-5527. Okay, so to wrap it up, Abby and Thad, why don't you guys let everyone know how they can get a hold of you on subspace, Abby. Best place to get me is on Twitter, and that's Abby M. Summer, S-O-M-M-E-R. Awesome. Serious Trek there, and Thad, likewise. How about you, man? Uh, Best place is also to find me on Twitter. I am 
at Tyrannicus. That's T-Y-R-A-N-I-C-U-S. And I talk about Star Trek quite a bit. Quite a bit. Two big nerds joining us. So we have three big nerds. All right. <laughs> Let's get into our level one diagnostic to get into today's show. Run a level one diagnostic series. Come. So really quick, just going to explain this w- one more time. This is Trek 101, and it's the first time we're doing a topic like this. The goal is to inform the listener about Trek, and the topic is is up to you. It's up to our guests. So it could be five things I learned from Trek, five things I personally love about Trek, five times I used Trek in my life to solve a problem, five things I would tell a Trek newbie, anything you want. So the list is going to be a little more personal and, of course, be highlighted by a one episode picks that helps highlight uh, that selection and what Trek means to you. So we're going to be all over the place with this one. It'll be interesting to see if we have any duplicates, but uh, the topics are for sure going to be different. And I'm really excited to find out what those are in our prime directive right now with each of our guests. But what you're proposing is exactly the kind of tampering the prime directive prohibits. Okay, so Abby, let's start with you. What's your prime directive for this Trek 101 topic, and how'd you come up with your list? All right, so my prime directive was a little bit lengthy, because at first I was like, holy bananas, I have every single episode or movie on the table, and I had to really narrow it down. (laughs) So I decided to make it kind of like a survey course in college, like a 101 level class, where there's a little bit of a bunch of different topics in one category and it's an introductory kind of thing and it makes you want to see if there's any one of those aspects that you really want to learn more about or take a deeper dive into and i also set myself some more parameters to help narrow it down i only gave myself one pick per series which killed me and i wanted a mix of the old and the new because you never know what's going to hit somebody And I said I wanted the characters in the episode to really be themselves. So that took out things like the inner light where Picard lives another life by the probe or far beyond the stars where Cisco is is being Benny. I wanted the characters to be themselves. My last cut was taking out the movies. We're just going to stay with TV because that was the original origin point. And then... What really got me down to my list was that I wanted this to be something that you could show to a newbie and they didn't really need any backstory about the episode or the characters besides what floats around in the general ether about, you know, Spock and Picard and things that you just kind of know by osmosis living in the world. And so I realized when I was going through it, I kind of gave myself five Trek ranks topics and had to pick my number one out of each of those without overlapping series. So it was difficult. But I like what it came down to. And when I ran it past my husband, who's very casual, he said, I'd totally watch all those. So I feel like I did a good prime directive. Oh, I love this. So this is going to this is going to actually be an introduction to Trek. Correct. And, and it's really going to it's going to be broad because you got only one one series per pick, old and new, no movies. Uh, the characters have to be themselves. And, you know, the, and the backstory not being super critical. I love this. This is going to be a great, uh, a great way to break it down with kind of five different Trek topics. You're doing kind of like a, uh, 
like a mini Trek ranks, Trek ranks. Yes. That's kind of how I thought about it. At the it's end. like, a, it's like the Russian nesting doll of Trek ranks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will take that. It was definitely more of a challenge than I expected, but it was really satisfying when I came down to my end list. I love it. There's a, a lot of uh, criteria there. Okay. Thad, yes. how about you, man? What, uh, what, what topic did you pick? Okay. So, uh, just thinking about Star Trek and Star Trek fandom and a, a topic that comes up a lot is that Star Trek is very personal for a lot of people and me included. So what I ended up doing here was detailing the top five ways that Star Trek has shaped my life. Ooh. Okay, perfect. That was a much simpler prime directive than mine. <laughs> Or maybe hey, no wrong answers. Simpler. Exactly. No, deceptively simple, I bet. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. That's kind of Oh, what... no, no. It was actually really hard, especially picking specific episodes. I, I, uh, yeah. I love it because that, that, that means it's obviously it's a, it's a personal topic to you on how it shaped your life. And that's, you know, that kind of defines one of the reasons we thought of this this topic to begin with, to make it really personal about the guest. So I can't wait to find that out from you, Thad. And then... For me, I, uh, I, you know, I, I looked at this a lot of different ways, but in the end, I wanted to do something that that I learned from Star Trek. So something that Star Trek taught me about myself, or maybe taught me to be myself, and a, a trait in my personality or skill set that uh, that's been a part of me for a long time. I may sound like a young spring chicken, but I'm well north of fifty these days. So I started thinking about something that I've used in my career and life to help me in in that setting. And what I ended up with was basically something like, I'm not sure the exact framing of this, but top five things Star Trek taught me about respecting people and maybe more specifically about not judging a book by its cover. And I feel like that's one of my, my strength as a, as a manager of managed hundreds of people in my career. And, and it's about allowing people to just do their jobs, be accountable for it. And also not just dismissing people based on, their appearance or maybe because they're qu- have a quirky personality trait or maybe the way they dress or talk, it, it could be anything, but I've seen it over and over again. And in, in my career where people I work with just find a reason to dismiss someone and latch onto it without giving them a chance. And I hate that. I honestly hate it. And I realized that there's a lot of episodes of Star Trek that help kind of craft my thinking and my attitude toward uh, people and allowing people to, to prove themselves regardless of, if they have a, you know, anything, you know, whether they dress shabbily or they have a disability or maybe they stutter or they just awkward in some settings. There's a lot of things I've seen people dismiss people for and I hate it. So, yeah, I came up with a list of five episodes where I learned not to judge a book by its cover and make sure to give people a chance to prove themselves. So that is my list. So it'll be fairly personal as well. Okay, I think we are now ready to have first Kudekaton and introduce <laughs> third Demoticon's gone, guys. Oh, I'm I know. Miss him. I know. I'm gonna miss him. I know. Oh, this, wow. I think you're gonna like this one. <laughs> Big shoes to fill. This messes with the order of things. That's what I'm saying. Of all the <laughs> of all the ones I questioned losing, this was the one. But I found one that I think is good enough to replace it with. Well, we'll we'll see him again someday. Okay, I think we're now ready to have first Kudekaton introduce us to the new order of things. It'll be alphas like us that determine the future of this quadrant. That will be the new order of things. All right. Thank you, First Kudekaton. Nice to have you on board. You're doing a great job so far. We're going to miss Third Demoniclon, but uh, but hang in there. 
All right, let's get into a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, everyone will start with their five-word summary and a hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll reveal our Trek 101 selection and the specific reasons we're highlighting it. And we'll also highlight one episode that showcases that pick for us. And at the end, we'll ask everyone for a few secondary system selections for the choices that just missed our list. And as always, if we have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. <laughs> Iconic. Okay, Abby, you're going to start us off. What's your number five pick for the Trek 101, which is basically your introductory topics list? All right. So my round five, I felt like the first thing I wanted to show somebody new was a premiere episode. And my hashtag is first flight of the enterprise. And my episode is broken bow enterprise season one, episode one. This is my personal favorite premiere. I think it starts it all off where we see things in the timeline in general, even though it wasn't the first actual show that was on the air. And it gives so much plot exposition and so much backstory in under 90 minutes. You mean you get so many different characters that you feel like you know. You get a great scene with Hoshi where she's teaching and you get to see her expertise. You get the relationship between Archer and Trip. You get to see Travis in the sweet spot. You get Malcolm being his normal kind of slightly sarcastic self, but you can tell there's heart behind it. You get everybody, you get Flox's smile, which is, you know, the best bookend of a series, I think, that little bit there. You get to see a lot of our supporting cast in that first episode, and you realize that Admiral Forrest is not a bad admiral. So I really like the fact that the first admiral that you see, if you're somebody new, isn't someone who turns out to be evil. Like, we don't need that trope when you're first learning about Star Trek. And I really like that even in this very first episode of Enterprise, you see T'Pol grow. She's my personal favorite character on Enterprise, and I... I like how she starts off and she's so, so stoic and so Vulcan, but by the end, she's really listened to the crew members on Enterprise and about what the miss mission to bring Clang back means to them and to Archer. And she goes with what Archer would have wanted as opposed to what the Vulcan High Command would have wanted in the end. And that growth in just one episode is so well-placed that it's absolutely lovely. And we get so much of an introduction to Enterprise in general. We see the grappler, the captain's mess, Flox's menagerie, all of that great stuff. And it's contrasted so nicely with the flashbacks to Archer and his father. And we get to meet this Sulaban. <laughs> okay, I love this. A few quick comments. Um, <laughs> but I totally agree that Sulaban are so underrated. I love them. To uh, the only thing I could think of, and there's, you're so right how much is introduced in this episode and crammed into it. And there's also the great uh, with the phase pistol where he's like, yes, this is <laughs> setting Stun for stunning and kill. kill. Don't get him confused. Mm -hmm. uh, best not to get him confused. Love that. And then I just love that this is the first pick of your list because I feel like your list is going to be like going to school. So I know you're, <laughs> you're a teacher. So that is fantastic. This is the first in uh, in a list. I love it. Um, Thad, what's your take on this pick? Oh, I love it. Uh, I think it's a fantastic introduction to Star Trek. Seriously. And it's my favorite premiere as well. So still to this day after eight, nine, ten premiere episodes. Well, and just the premiere of the actual Suleban when Clang is laying in the bio bed in sickbay and he's just raging in Klingon, and it's not even translating and making any sense, but all of a sudden there's this pause, and he goes, Suleban. And that's when you see them fall from the ceiling. 
Gentlemen! Sullivan. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a moment you remember. We can mm-hmm. all hear that one word, the exact toning in our voices, or in our heads, that voice. We know it. It's a great, great, great introduction to Trek. I love it. Okay, Thad, let's uh, let's get into your list. What's uh, what's your round five pick for Trek that shaped your life? Okay, so my five words are all free or none free. Hashtag Star Trek has always been political. And my episode that I picked is the drumhead. So this episode is probably my favorite episode of Star Trek. And I believe it has just the powerful message of there are fundamental rights that are always important. And it, it is necessary to fight back when those rights are infringed. And that has seeing this episode as a kid has and this and so many other episodes of Star Trek have in, have helped shape my own personal political views. And I feel like I would not have the same politics that I have today if it had not been for Star Trek. I mean, this is a perfect episode to emphasize that. I mean, it's literally an all time classic. The, the the witch hunt aspect of it, the McCarthyism of it, mm-hmm. you, you still you still see it today. It's I mean, it's kind of terrifying. Um, but I God, I agree with you completely. This was a very formative episode for I think anyone watching it with an open mind trying to learn and uh, and gain some knowledge. Uh, Abby, what's your take on the drumhead? An all time classic. This is one of my favorite episodes of TNG as well. It is so well done and it's so interesting because you get to see all the tiny steps that suddenly turn into a landslide and see how none of those steps on their own seem like they could be dangerous but when you take them all in succession like that what can happen and people who are normally in control losing their control because of it and that's if there was ever anything that was applicable to now that would be it Admiral Sati has left the Enterprise. We think we've come so far. Torture of heretics, burning of witches, all ancient history. Then, before you can blink an eye, suddenly it threatens to start all over again. I believed her. I, I helped her. I did not see what she was. Mr. Worf, villains who twirl their mustaches are easy to spot. Those who clothe themselves in good deeds are well camouflaged. I think after yesterday, people will not be so ready to trust her. Maybe. But she or someone like her will always be with us, waiting for the right climate in which to flourish spreading fear in the name of righteousness. Vigilance, Mr. Wolf. That is the price we have to continually pay. So interesting that this was so many decades ago, yet still rings so true in the same way and different ways now. It's a great episode. (laughs) Yeah, and the political side of it, Thad, you're so right. It's like when you think about Admiral Satie, who's probably done a lot of good for the Federation and lit in probably shares the same ideals with a lot of people, but the slippery slope and she gets trapped in kind of her own web of um, 
just kind of seeing things her way and manipulating them to her. I mean, man, that is exactly what we've seen in these last four years yeah. of Trump politics. And sorry, the right wing and Republicans twisting themselves to be like, no, no, this is good because it's Republican. Sorry. I mean, it's just the truth. Sugarcoat so, anything. Yeah. Not, you know, I, I said this in the last episode. There's this two sides crap is, is not something I'm going to not speak about when one side is Nazis. One side's the side of Nazis and the other side is not. So, all right, two weeks in a row, Morehouse. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to. <laughs> Nobody's arguing with you, so I think you're good. <laughs> Somebody out there yeah. is turning this off right now, but that's okay. All right. Let's go to my round five pick. Basically, my don't judge a book by its cover list. Five words and a hashtag. This is not necessarily my number five pick. It probably would be my number one, but I've talked about it so many times on Trek Race. I'm just going to get it out of the way. Five words and a hashtag. Fair chance to redeem yourself. Hashtag a spider under the table. And of course, it is TNG Season 7, Episode 15, Lower Decks. It's Picard giving Cito Jaxa a fair shot. I've talked about this one a lot. It's basically a perfect episode of Star Trek. It has everything in it. And I just love that it's a perfect example of somebody saying, I see some good here. I see quality, despite what others may think about somebody, Cito Jaxa and Picard stepping up to make sure she's on the Enterprise, give her a chance. And of course, the backstory here is that she was part of a cover up of an accident at uh, Starfleet Academy in the first duty and had to uh, you know pay for it at, at the Academy. So. I just love everything about this episode. I love the way Picard uh, challenges her and then tells her that the reason she's there is because he wanted to make sure that she got a fair chance. And I've seen that a lot in my life. And I just think that's a, it's a really important way to, uh, to approach uh, people and problem solving. I didn't ask you here because I was assessing your qualifications for the ops position. I don't understand, sir. I was harsh with you because I wanted to assess you for a very important mission. A mission that could put you in a situation that would be far more unnerving than a dressing down by your commanding officer. Can I ask what that mission is, sir? Join the senior officers in the observation lounge at 0900 hours. We'll discuss it then. Yes, sir. And Ensign. I do know why you ended up on the Enterprise. I asked for you. I wanted to make sure that you got a fair chance to redeem yourself. Thank you, sir. So, Abby, what's your take on Lower Decks? That is a fantastic episode and one of the highlights of Season 7 TNG. And it was the first time that we had really seen the other side of the coin on the Enterprise. And that was such a revelation and yet so normal at the same time. Because, you know, even if you're on Lower Decks in the Enterprise, you are there for a reason because you are the best of the best. And to see that insecurity in Cito and then how Picard really builds her up is unbelievable good leadership right there. And if every leader thought like that, we would have a much better world. And so fun to see that the humor that they impart in this episode, too, where you see all those relationships with the lower deck crew that's like the bridge crew and seeing how wonderful they are with each other and how deeply everybody cares is a really nice way to see that the ship really is one big family. Well, I was going to close by saying that, but I'll say it really quickly now that 
is this the first time I rewatched Lower Decks since the animated series Lower Decks came out? They are way closer in tone than I think people are thinking because the humor and the way they kind of kid with each other and bust mm-hmm. on each other, it's really, really similar. It's, it's amazing how close in tone they actually are. Uh, Thad, what's your take on this pick in Lower Decks? It's an amazing episode. I, I have loved it for, you know, yeah. 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is an excellent choosing to focus on the redemption of Cedar Jaxa, especially that is excellent. My only complaint is, well, it's not a complaint, but in my head canon, Cedar Jaxa and Thomas Riker meet up in a Cardassian prison and manage to escape. Oh, it's still possible, man. It's still possible. I'm <laughs> behind that head canon too. There's a lot of new tracks still being made. That's uh, that could easily happen. I want that short track. If you know, so bad. I want that can to do that is listening. I want that to prop up <laughs> season two of lower decks. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> That All would right. be incredible. <laughs> they know. said Jonathan Frakes would be back for season two. Maybe that's <laughs> what they mean. <laughs> All right, let's go to round four. Abby, what's your number four topic? All right, so my topic for round four was a time travel episode because you can't talk about Star Trek with a newbie without doing that. I love it. And my hashtag is you've never been in love. And my episode is Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, and that's Discovery Season 1, Episode 7. Now, I felt like it was really important to put a Discovery entry on my list because it is one of the more modern treks, and it's probably the one where you can see all the technological advances in the effects the most, but it also has such emotional heart behind it. It was hard to pick an episode because it is such a long arc story, that I didn't want to drop somebody in and not have them understand what was going on because that little one minute previously on doesn't cut it for the depth of detail that Discovery uses. But this episode is as close to a standalone episode as Discovery gets, and I love it. I mean, it's as classic as cause and effect in TNG. They blow up the ship a zillion times in this episode, and every time you feel it, But this episode has so much good character development and strong performances from all of our people, but it also has another great amount of humor. And that's one of the things I wanted to think about with all five of my picks was bringing some of the fun of Star Trek into every pick for my newbie. It's not just all serious. And I really enjoyed the party, Michael being nervous about the party, Tilly at the party, like seeing all the bridge crew out of uniform or not all of them, but a lot of them out of uniform. That was fun. Anything with mud in any series is fun. But Rain Wilson's mud is so delightfully evil, yet full of that dark sarcasm that's just fun. Like when you see the montage of him killing Lorca over and over and over again every time he walks through a doorway. What's happening? You, you've been cheating. Passing notes in class to save your friends. Well, whatever you think you've come up with. I'll find a workaround. I'll keep resetting time until I do. Nobody beats mud. The editing is brilliant. The humor is there, but you also feel the urgency the entire time. And even though a time loop is a very common sci-fi story and has been done in Star Trek over and over again, this one has the discovery twist with how we have a crew member that exists outside of the normal time stream. So, you know, when Stamets waves at the end, he goes, yeah, it's me. 
that's just so perfect. And seeing his evolution into this episode where it starts with, yeah, he's been a little wonky lately to he saved the whole ship and remembers all of those time loops, which is something else. And my last little bit that since the first time I watched it just makes me love this episode and I think would intrigue somebody new is every time they loop back around and they come into the party, the song playing in the background is the Wyclef Jean version of Staying Alive, which is so perfect because that's what they're trying to do is staying alive. And that needle drop every time they come back to that party scene is just flawless. That is a brilliant take. I'm just so impressed that you thought to pick this episode because it is kind of like the the perfect discovery standalone episode to introduce somebody to, to discovery and to time travel and Star Trek genius. Uh, this episode is absolutely perfect. It's number six on my discovery list at Trek ranks. I love it. Um, I didn't know that about the song. That's super cool. I have to listen for that now. You'll never not hear it now. Which I didn't know that was a re- it's a remake of Staying Alive mm-hmm. by the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep, it's a remake of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees by Wyclef Jean. Yeah, that part I didn't realize. So, Dad, what's your take on magic to make the sanest man go mad? Well, once again, it's an amazing episode and I really do love it. And yes, I think it's a great showcase of the the time travel and fun that star trek can have well said good summary oh man i i love this this is the i really want to just stop recording and go watch it right now it's that good <laughs> um thad what's your what's your number four pick on your uh list of things that shaped you okay uh number four pick uh five words are don't forget how to care hashtag social commentary trek is best trek and it's DS9's past tense. Oh, yes. So it much in the same way that I would say that Star Trek shaped my political beliefs, Star Trek also shaped uh, a lot of my social opinions and how I view the world. And past tense, I saw that when it first aired when I was, I think, eight or nine. And just seeing that, the and the, the conversation that Cisco and Bashir have where Bashir can't understand how a society could stop caring about its people has always had a lasting impact on me. And I will have always tried never to get to the point where I will not care. And that I will always support the lifting up of people who are not in a fortunate position. I love that. And this pick personifies that as much as any episode of Star Trek ever. It's perfect. It's number one for me on these race nine. I love past tense. It's it's crazy how prescient the episode has been over the last literally 25 years. It's scary. It's really scary. We're only a couple years away from it at this point, and I could <laughs> see it being a documentary. At some point, the timeline will diverge. Uh, at some point. Uh, Abby, what's your take on past tense and its social commentary? Oh, this is a lot of what my husband and I rewatched this recently, and we were talking about this, and we rewatched it because I made a comment one night with everything going on with the virus and separating parents and kids together. I was saying, you know what, when the bell riots happen, I'm not surprised. And he was like, wait a minute, what? And so we watched it, and we had almost the exact same discussion. That's so cool. Yeah, and it was one of those things where you're like, you know, when I watched this the first time, I'm like, there's no way. but you're surprised sometimes by what people don't seem to care about. And one of the reasons I love Star Trek is because our people always care. 
and they are always going to be there. Even if it infringes on their personal lives, they're going to do what's right. And I wanted to put this on my list, but I thought that the whole like Cisco becoming Gabriel Bell kind of just didn't quite fit my prime directive. So I'm so glad you picked it back. <laughs> That's true. It does. Uh, it doesn't fit your prime directive in that regard. That's funny. One of, your, one of your six elements of your prime directive. Oh God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's close out round four with my number four pick, not judging a book by its cover, giving people a chance, five words and a hashtag. You'll follow Starfleet uniform code hashtag aboard this ship ensign. And it is the episode is actually the next phase from TNG season five, episode 24, but it's Riker uh, learning to accept Ensign Row. And this is just a specific moment that I'm picking because I always love it. It's the next phase. And the, the my five words and hashtag, of course, is when Riker meets Ensign Row in Ensign Row and she's coming on board and everyone's just like up in arms like, oh, my God, we. The guarantee incident. Nobody wants to serve with her. She's a bad apple. But the what? But when she, they think she dies in the next phase. And there's this scene where they're talking about the memorials, and Riker says he wants to say a few words, and everyone thinks he means about <laughs> Jordy, and he's like, "No, I wanted to say something about Ensign Row." And she, I just love that moment because she's hearing it and going, "Wait, what? What do you want to say about me? What?" And it just shows the 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 depth of empathy for. Of Riker being open and accepting um, and learning learning to <laughs> to work with her, I just I really I really love that. And even though that at the very beginning of that episode, there's this moment where they're all beaming over and they're like, "Don't bring your weapons to the." They're beaming to this Romulan ship to try to help them. And they're like, "Don't bring your weapons." And Row is just like classic Row. Oh, that's a really good idea. Rolling her eyes, and Riker just says, "I beg your pardon, Ensign. I didn't quite catch that." You know, he's like he's. This classic Riker just going at her. Riker here. Transport to the Romulan ship as soon as we're within range. Aye, sir. No weapons. We don't want them to think they're under attack. This is not a bright idea. I beg your pardon, Ensign? I didn't quite catch that. Nothing, sir. You know, you could just tell how much he respected her in the end, and I just love that he wanted to step up and be the one that talked about her. A great lesson, you know, just respecting people. There are a lot of different ways to do things in terms of, you know, Ensign Rowe, her means might have been a little rough around the Starfleet edges, but her ends were always uh, really good until she betrayed everybody at preemptive strike. But we're not talking about that right now. Okay. Thad, <laughs> uh, what's your take on Riker eulogizing Rowe and respecting her in the next phase? I love it. I think... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's going to be my response to every one of these, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Roe was a fantastic character who added a lot to TNG, and also the very existence of Ensign Roe helped set up the existence of Deep Space Nine. So the growth of Riker's opinion of her, starting in Ensign Roe to even in Preemptive Strike, he's. Uh, you can see that his he's grown a lot and has a has a lot of respect for her. And even when she pulls the phaser on him and he's there to kind of monitor, you know, you can tell yeah. he's like, I get it. He's like, this sucks and you're wrong, but I get it. In that yeah, moment. Riker does. Picard doesn't, but Riker No, Picard does. doesn't. <laughs> but but Riker, but Riker is kind of like understands. Uh, Abby, how about you? I love this pick. I love Roe. I had a friend growing up who 
that was her favorite character in all of Star Trek. And I really appreciated that because this is growth. And when you talk about the next phase, she had the exact reaction that I would have had about Riker's eulogy when she and Jordi are, are at the funeral and they're shooting off the Romulan disruptor and she goes right up to his face and he can't see her. And she goes, well, I guess you're never, I'm never going to know what you're going to say now. And she shoots him right through the head. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, because I want to know what he says too. Commander, there'll be a memorial service at 2300 hours. Mr. Data is making the arrangements. I'll be there. Me too. In fact, I might like to say a few words. You did know LaForge longer than any of us. Actually, I was thinking more about Ensign Rome. Me? When you're ready, coordinate with Mr. Data. Wait a minute, what are you going to say about me? I mean, it's not just this episode, their whole trajectory. When you think about conundrum where they had their memories mm-hmm. erased and yeah. they they did have their little intimate moment but they did. more than that they had a connection they felt that connection and respect and desire to be around each other because they really are verbal sparring partners a lot and they're equals in that i mean bro is so smart and when you think about rascals which is not the best episode but she does so much to help and how she interacts with Riker in that episode when she's de-aged, it's fantastic. So this is a really good way to see that relationship grow. That's a great point. I am writing down, watch Rascals again just for that. That's <laughs> fantastic. Okay, let's go to the soup round. Eat your soup, courtesy of a loyal establishment, Jolan Troop. Round three, Abby, what's your... Uh, Number three, pick on your uh, introductory le- inter- on your lessons and introduction to Star Trek. All right, Jim, you're going to laugh because this one has actual soup in it. I love but, that. Uh, <laughs> that was why I put it as number three. It was all for you. But uh, my round three is a holodeck episode. And my hashtag is you're being a pineapple right now. And my episode is Crisis Point from Lower Decks, season <laughs> one, episode nine. Now, I found it absolutely imperative to put a Lower Decks episode on here. And this was probably one of the hardest rounds for me because there are a lot of really good, fun, compelling holodeck episodes. But as I've mentioned, my husband and I watched Star Trek together, but he's a much more casual fan than I am. He has rewatched Lower Decks three times on his own. So that tells (laughs) me something about this show and how it compels people who are, you know, have no exposure to Star Trek or who are very casual fans to to obsess over something and even though he does not laugh at the thousands of tiny little in jokes that i am just you know spitting things out my nose at he loves it because it is such a good fun show and this episode in particular it was kind of a cheat for me because i felt like since they were in the holodeck doing a movie i kind of had a movie on my list even though they're not movies on my list. Right. I mean, the beautiful beauty shots of the ship, the opening credits that are almost bonking them in the head. I mean, it it's absolutely a beautiful love letter to Star Trek movies without being a movie. I mean, they even have the old film effect on when they're in the holodeck. So it looks like it's got the little spots and lines from the old projector, which is such a perfect little touch. 100% paid. Tremble at the side of the great Vindictor! And Shampoo! I'm Shampoo. I was supposed to be played by Boimler. Okay, come on. I don't sound like that. I love my captain and I don't want to be doing this. All right, that's not too far off. You're posing as Starfleet. Why? Because I do what I want. Oh, you're a jerk, free man. But it has 
all the heart behind it. I mean, our main cast and supporting cast all have little moments. Rutherford taking this opportunity to tell Billups he's the best engineer, and <laughs> Billups is the one eating the soup, by the way. So, yep. oh, that's that right. Yeah. All out there. Stone cold badass. Exactly. <laughs> And Tendi has her moment where she stands up to Mariner and says, I'm done with this crazy movie. This isn't you. This is too much. Mariner has her moment where she realizes that therapy works. Boimler has so much Boimlerness in this, trying so hard to, to get this job and finding out a secret. And he wants so much to do well. And it has the classic Strax line of, you know, tell the Paul Wright Strax sent you. <laughs> How can you not love this episode? It's beautiful. Okay, before I get to my comments, first this. A purge, 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 purge. <laughs> <laughs> that was Ensign Boimler celebrating the first ever Lower Deck selection on Trek Ranks, not including Woo-hoo! our Lower Deck episode. Uh, I am excited <laughs> to have Lower Decks represented this is a fantastic episode. It's an homage to the movies. I love how you did that, uh, Abby. Very clever. And yeah, when you talk about how there's also when when Tendy's leaving the holodeck, the mm-hmm. aspect ratio inside the holodecks is still like the movie aspect ratio. And yeah. outside is the TV aspect ratio. It's brilliant. This is uh, absolute uh, all-time great Star Trek. That crisis point. Uh, lower decks, what's your take? Uh, it's my favorite episode of Lower Decks. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Uh, just every single moment of it. Yeah, it is a wonderful. Great summary, Abby. So now you, I love your list. This is great. We'll get oh, the summary. We'll get a summary in a minute. Thad, uh, what is your number three pick on episodes that shaped your life? Okay. So my first two were more of a general shaping of they could that could be how they would shape a lot of people. Uh, we're going to get a little more specific to me with the last couple. But uh, this one here, uh, my five words are reputation as a miracle worker, hashtag engineering. And uh, the episode I picked was the Doomsday Machine, um, right. specifically Scotty doing his repairs on both the Constellation and the Enterprise. As I mentioned, I, I started watching Star Trek when I was a little kid. I first saw it when I was seven years old. And I think Star Trek, uh, watching some of my favorite characters were always the engineers, like Scotty and then on TNG. I loved everything, every single scene that Jordy and Data had together. And uh, it's just, uh, I think Star Trek sort of instilled in me a love of computers and technical knowledge and whatnot and that's basically where i went with my life i mean i work in in it and technical support because and i think that's because of star trek i love this pick that this is when you started talking about it's like that's kind of what i knew that you did that it and tech support um and that's what these engineers do i mean and the doomsday machine is a perfect Mm -hmm. pick for it because when he's in the Jeffries tomb and he's talking to Spock and Kirk say like, beam me over now. This is one of my top five scenes in the Jeffries tube, by the way. It's very much like IT support because he's in there trying to fix it for them. They're like on the, they're all on these interconnections, like saying, what's going on? Um, you need to get this fixed. Beam me aboard. Energize. Energize. Bridge. It's shorted out again. Gentlemen, beam me aboard. We can't, Captain. Transporter is out again. Mr. Scott, 20 seconds to detonation. 
Mr. Scott. Try inverse phasing. And that is a really, really cool pick. I love that. I also started watching Trek when I was about seven with uh, TOS reruns. I think you were a little later. Uh, yeah, I love this pick. Abby, what's your take on this one? This is a fantastic pick as well. And it is neat to see the the technical and the technology aspect of Star Trek. That's always been one of the things that that hooked me into it and to see how that technology can be used for good and it can be used for evil. And that fine balance of, of doing that is always such, such something that makes you think really hard when you're watching Star Trek. <laughs> All right. That is awesome. Let's close out round three with my pick five words and a hashtag one enthusiastic cargo bay inventory hashtag. So I don't end up like my father. And of course it is uh, oh. DS nine heart of stone season three, episode 14. And it's Ben Cisco giving Nog a chance and giving him his approval. And I, I was thinking about which episode to pick to showcase Nog, you know, getting the, the shot he deserved. I actually thought about the Nagus because there's that great moment where uh, Jake is teaching Nog after school in secret how to read and Cisco yeah. stumbles on it. And Cisco learns a real big lesson there on not judging Nog's influence on Jake without uh, getting all the data. So but I went with Heart of Stone. I was just his impassioned pleas to, to Cisco to accept him as a candidate for Starfleet and to write him a reference level. It's just so great. And, and, you know, initially Cisco has trouble kind of getting past it. He tells him, no, he really, he challenges him with the inventory. He, he basically declines him again. And then he just confronts him for the truth. And once he hears it, he realizes, you know, this is someone we need to give a chance, despite the way some people will will look at, at Ferengi's and look at this kid that's had a criminal record. And My father is a mechanical genius. He could have been chief engineer of a starship if he'd had the opportunity. But he went into business like a good Ferengi. The only thing is, he's not a good Ferengi. Not when it comes to acquiring profit. So now, all he has to live for is the slim chance that someday, somehow, he might be able to take over my uncle's bar. Well, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I want to do something with my life. Something worthwhile. Like joining Starfleet? I may not have an instinct for business. But I have my father's hands and my uncle's tenacity. I know I've got something to offer. I just need the chance to prove it. And I love this moment even more now because, honestly, this led to a career worthy enough to have a ship named after him yes. 700 years, years later. Yes. So cool. The USS Nog featured in Discovery Season 3. So cool. Um, yeah, I love Nog. Everyone knows that. And this is a great showcase for this. Thad, what's your take on Nog and Cisco and Heart of Stone? I love it. Uh, that's, uh, I get that's going to be my response every time. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, Heart, Heart of Stone, that B plot is honestly better than the A plot in that of episode. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I even like, and I like the A plot in that episode too. But, uh, yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I love, the entire arc of Nog's trajectory through that show. I was just thinking, I, I just recently watched uh, Favor the Bold, and it just makes me mm. think that's the episode where he gets his commission as an ensign, and uh, he's 
showing his new uniform to O'Brien, and O'Brien says he didn't realize that Starfleet was that hard up, and uh, obviously that's a joke. And I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's so great. Uh, Abby, what's your take? That's a lovely choice. I mean, Nog could possibly have the best arc of any character in all of Star Trek. It is beautiful. And to see his growth, and especially this episode, because he is a young man. I mean, when you think about it, this is like him trying to go to post-secondary school when he just learned how to read a couple of years ago. And it is wonderful to see how open-minded they can be. And that I don't want to end up like my father moment hits you in the feels every single time just the way it said and when you see cisco's face react to that just the depth of that and from then on their relationship is in a different footing and that's a really cool thing to see yeah and i always like to clarify that that he when he says that he's not denigrating rom and his father no not at all he's saying that the guy could have been he knows that he was capable of being a engineer and starfleet and just didn't have the right opportunity and and path, which Cisco gives Nog. We love it. All time great character. Okay, let's go to round two. Abby, what's your uh, number two intro topic? All right. So, my round two, I wanted to pick just kind of a generic sci fi concept that was done beautifully by Star Trek. So, Ooh. my hashtag is Weird Planet Displaced in Time. And my episode is Blink of an Eye, Voyager, season six, episode 12. And this is one of those ones that makes top 10 lists all the time for a very good reason, because this is a beautiful example of, you know, there's lots of Star uh, Star Trek that even does this and lots of sci-fi in general about the the time differential between here and there or a ship and a planet or a civilization. But no one does it quite like this. And to speak about the guest cast in this, they go through so many different time eras and all of the guest cast from the very beginning when they're, you know, just learning how to give their offerings to the gods, supposedly, and all the way up until when they're more advanced than Voyager itself, everybody is believable. There isn't a moment where you go, eh, well, that guy was all right. No, they're all great. And Daniel Day Kim as Gotana Retz is absolutely perfection. And I think that this episode is nice, too, because it gives us a lot of very short little pairings of our main cast, some that we get a lot and some that we don't. Like we get a nice Balana and Janeway moment. We get a nice Chakotay and Kim moment. We get a nice Chakotay and Balana, Seven and Naomi. We get all of those little bits interdispersed with the actual story that's going on in the planet. And you don't feel like you're lacking in either one. And some really nice character development for the doctor in just a couple lines where he had a roommate and a son And those are, you know, five or six lines of dialogue, but it shows how when he was down on the planet for those three years or 10 seconds, depending which end you're on, how much he grew. And that's a really nice little bit. And I have to say it was nice to have Chakotay have something to really do and have a really big part. It really stands out to me as being not a Chakotay episode, but he's great in this episode. And in the end, that last scene where you see Retz on the planet as a very old man watching the Voyager star disappear from his sky is perfect. It's just a full story and it's a full circle and it's just a lovely 45 minutes. Well, I just love that one of your topics was 
like a uh, a really intense <laughs> sci-fi concept. That's a, that is an awesome way to introduce Star Trek because there's so many great ones, which is why we do our high concept uh, series. Mm-hmm. And Blink of an Eye is definitely one of the most popular episodes in uh, Trek Ranks history. It's number one for me for Voyager at Trek Ranks. I love it. Thad, what's your take on Blink of an Eye? Blink of an Eye is also my favorite Voyager episode, mm-hmm. and I couldn't think of a better choice. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Great breakdown. Okay, Thad, how about you, man? What is uh, number two on your list of episodes that shaped your life? Okay, my five words are everyone belongs and is welcome. Hashtag obsessed with Voyager. And it's the Voyager episode Pathfinder. Oh, awesome. Uh, to get a, 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 to get somewhat personal here, uh, I am on the autistic spectrum. And uh, growing up as a kid, I was the the weird kid that no one liked, etc., etc. And the character of Reg Barkley meant a great deal to me Uh, to see a character who exhibited a lot of the same sort of things that I dealt with. And to see that at the end of the day, he was accepted as part of Starfleet and as one of them and just as valuable and important as anyone else. And just, you know, meant, a huge amount to me. That's that's one of the biggest things that Star Trek has ever done for me is to show that future where everyone is accepted. Yeah, this episode is it's so good. It's so heartfelt. It shows the best of, of Barkley. I mean, we see a lot of good Barkley through the through the years, but man, this one I just love the way he <laughs> the way he works to find a solution to make this happen. And he gets full credit. It's a, such a really uh, emotional, heartfelt episode. I appreciate you saying that, Thad, because I can see how this would be important to you in your life. It's super cool. Uh, Abby, what's your take on Pathfinder? I love Pathfinder. It's one of those warm, fuzzy Star Trek episodes where you just go, ha, huh, when you're done, because it does make you feel good. And I've always had a sympathetic spot for Barkley, too. I mean, I understand anxiety deeply and to see someone like that who is shown as having that quality yet still being so competent Mm -hmm. is not something that you always see on tv and that is a beautiful mesh of of characteristics to see in one person and to see that he is respected and and taken into star trek families in multiple series is a really nice thing to see it's a lovely episode yeah that's brilliant well, we didn't have any Voyager picks in the first three round, but round two is our all Voyager round because my <laughs> number two pick is also Voyager. Five words and a hashtag. Carrie's nose, notwithstanding, hashtag. She's a <laughs> hell of an engineer. And then, of course, is Parallax, season one, episode three of Voyager. And this is Belana Torres being named chief engineer by uh, Janeway. And... First off, Parallax is just a ridiculously underrated episode. It is a great first episode for any series. And for me, the strength of this episode, and I actually just talked about this in our last episode, our top five Janeway episodes, and I didn't pick it there. But as I was starting to go through this topic, I was like, oh, man, I have a chance to pick that again. So now I'm going to do it. I learned so much in this example of how Janeway evaluated Belana Torres for this position because her first reaction is, are you kidding me, Chakotay? <laughs> she just <laughs> punched a guy in the face. But uh, he makes his pitch. She keeps an open mind. 
She allows her to contribute, you know, gives her a chance. And, you know, we end up with one of the great engineers we've ever seen in Star Trek. And it's it's really smart of Janeway, not only for the ship, but uh, just bringing the crew together and giving a maquis person this kind of responsibility. And it ends up being for sure the right decision for the ship. And that's just how you should manage, you know, just be open and make sure you process all the data before you make decisions based on just one element. So, Thad, what's your take on Parallax? I love Parallax. (laughs) It's a great episode uh, for like, it's, I think, the second episode of Voyager, actually, uh, if you count Caretaker as one. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's a great episode in that beginning where they show the two crew coming together and i yeah it's fantastic yeah really smart abby how about you i remember the first time that i watched this and there's that moment where balana knocks something off of the table it looks like an ashtray i'm sure it's not an ashtray but just thinking to myself (laughs) holy cow there's this volatile brilliant woman and there even though she almost conked somebody with a not ashtray and she broke somebody's nose they're gonna still let her be in charge and do what she needs to do. And the scenes between her and Janeway are so good. And to have two smart, powerful, scientific minded women together. That's awesome. This is the warp particles episode, right? Where they both yell out warp Mm -hmm. particles at the same time. That's classic. So that moment has, has lived on and it's great. And I also really like how in this episode, when Lieutenant Carey finds out it's not him, He's okay with it. He accepts it. I'm sure he was disappointed, but he moves on and he listens to her. And subsequently, he follows her, even yeah. though he could have been really resentful and snotty about it. He's good. And he realizes that this was the best choice for the job. And that is not an easy thing to do. So props to that character. I like that, too. That's a little little bonus lesson. because That's another way you can learn how to how to act. That's uh that's awesome. All right, let's go to round one. Abby, what's your uh, number one lesson for your intro topics to Trek? All right, Jim. So I'd like to remind you that uh, cheating is encouraged on Trek ranks here. <laughs> so for my round one, I wanted to do something that had a cross-series connection and popped up in more than one series. So my hashtag is they're voracious and born pregnant, and it's the Tribbles arc. So I actually have four things that come together in a very short cross-series connection. TOS, Trouble with Tribbles, Season 2, Episode 15. The animated series, More Tribbles, More Troubles, Season 1, Episode 5. DS9, Trials and Tribulations, Season 5, Episode 6. And the short track, Trouble with Edward. And I know it's a huge cheat, but I wanted to show a newbie how things aren't dropped in this universe. That it is a fully expanded and developed universe where things do come back and there are consequences. But at the same time, they're not always life-threatening, though Tribbles can be. They Sometimes they're just little things that are picked up. And I mean, their Tribbles are mentioned in other series as well, but these are the four Tribble-centric episodes. And when you watch them as one like three-hour chunk, it's brilliant. It shows the magic of Star Trek. It brings in some of that campiness that you really have to appreciate somewhat in order to love Trek. And it shows the development of Trek all the way from TOS up to the short treks. And this is one of the episodes of TOS that when I watched in reruns as a kid, 
it got me interested. Now you can say that, you know, the tribbles are just there for the little kids and they're silly and they're campy. Yeah, they are. Nope. But who cares? They're wonderful. Yep. And it's a gateway to getting people hooked into a classic era. And while the trouble with Edward is not my favorite short track, it is such an encapsulation of the tribbles. And that commercial at the end <laughs> really shows that Trek can make fun of itself and understands how silly and, and absurd some of this is. And that's just a lovely little nod from the writers to all of us out in the real world. Okay, so we love cheating, so I love this pick. <laughs> I will say that Tribble's obviously there for kids and for comfort, but but it's also this – it's the classic Trek metaphorical statement about conservationism, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's really, really smart in that regard. So I am going to count this since you just said that The Trouble with Edward is not your favorite. I'm going to count this as a short Trek's pick. So we have a more cross-section of Trek in our list. And I, the trouble with Edward, man, I like that one more and more as the months go by. It's like really, really clever. The problem is, is the short Treks are so good that it's hard to pick so, a Yeah, it is. But I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, I get it. I don't love it. It's going to be near the bottom for me. Now it's near the top. I just, I just love watching it. It really really works for me thad what's your take on the tribbles fantastic <laughs> i will say uh, you're, you're saying how the tribbles sort of make it accessible trouble with tribbles is the only episode of star trek that my mother likes <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> oh it's adorable what is it what is it why lovely lady it's a tribble a tribble only the sweetest creature known to man Except, and of course, your lovely self. <laughs> oh, it's purry. Listen, it's purry. It's only saying that it likes you. So, yes. Um, what's not to like about The Trouble with Tribbles? It's fantastic. And Trials and Tribulations was an amazing love letter to that. And yep. I, The Trouble with Edward has funny moments. I'm, I don't like it quite as much as other people, but I do admit that it has some funny moments. Well, and I have to say that watching the original series and then DS9 back to back is so perfect. It's just, mm -hmm. it really deepens the story. And as much as the animated series doesn't get love, when you watch that after having watched those two back to back, you really do see some of the strengths of the animated series. And you can see how they're pulling some of those threads to try to get this story into a very short amount of time and to aim it towards a slightly different audience. More Troubles, More Troubles is worth it, if only for the scene of Kirk pushing the giant triple out of his captain's chair. <laughs> I was going to so say, true. I was going to say that I like, I like the glomer. So that too. Yes. All right. Let's go to your number one pick that on your list of uh, uh, track that shaped your life. I want to say one final thing about More Troubles, More Troubles. Actually, <laughs> I, I, Do I, it. I really enjoy the scene <laughs> where you see the glomer trying to get on top of the giant <laughs> triple and it can't. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, my number one is a huge cheat. Like there's not even like any any universe where this is a legitimate answer. <laughs> um, but uh, my five words are Star Trek fandom is family hashtag here in the place where I belong. And technically I'm going to count. I'm going to, I'm going to list this as what we left behind looking back at Star Trek deep space nine, the DS nine documentary. Aww. But I could also say that it's just all of Star Trek, the entire franchise. Um, mm. So 
this part, because again, we're talking about how it shaped my life. And for me, I've always been a Star Trek fan, but I have not been involved with the fandom and with everyone else in the convention scene, etc. until recently. And that was because of the DS9 documentary. When they were doing their uh, crowdfunding for it, one of their tiers was was to get tickets to Star Trek Las Vegas and, and to get a private meet and greet with the cast and crew of the documentary, which is what I did. And that was amazing. But the fact that just going to STOV that year, like opened my eyes to this entire fandom. And like, I wouldn't be on this podcast if I hadn't uh, donated to that documentary. And was that the year we met? Did we meet at that STOV? No, we met, we met in person the year after that. I met like three people that year. Uh, (laughs) 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 But yeah, uh, uh, because I, I didn't get on Twitter until after that. I, I didn't oh, join God. Star Trek Twitter until after that. Be- it was because of that, because some of the people that I had met were on Twitter. And then yep. that's when it sort of exploded. But that year, it was that whole thing. Uh, and I would say the Star Trek fandom has become an enormous part of my life. In years that aren't 2020, I go to several conventions every year. I have made lifelong friendships with many people because of this fandom. And... Like I said, I don't have a specific Star Trek episode to go with this, but Star Trek as a whole has impacted my life significantly in the last few years just because of this fandom. Well, you said what we left behind, and I, I think that's somebody else picked that on a previous episode, and it's Fair a enough. legit pick because it is, especially because of the season eight stuff for Deep Space Nine, which in my head is absolutely canon, but. Yeah, I I love this pick that I, your fandom is r- pretty special. Seeing the way you interact with people on on Twitter, it's cool, and that documentary summarizes, I think, that kind of interaction as good as anything uh, to to ever kind of frame Star Trek in in that format. Abby, uh, what's your take? This is such a lovely, all encompassing, heartwarming pick because you're so right. Like. I've been a Star Trek fan since I was very young and I can't be a part of the the conventions as much as I want to these days because of children and money and all that. But there is such a community and such a sense of trust and caring and understanding in the Star Trek world and on Star Trek Twitter and all of the ways that you can be part of this fandom. It's delightful. And it's not to say that it's perfect because it's not. But when it's not, it's okay too. People step up and and take care of each other and call out bad behavior and and fix things. And I would not have gotten through 2020 without Star Trek and my Star Trek friends and all that. It it has been a lifeline. And I think you are absolutely right that that this is how it is for so many people who have found their place in the universe, the place where they belong. It's uh it's a great point about 2020 and Star Trek Ooh. Twitter helping us helping us all through it. Okay, I love that the first round has been uh, cheating so far. <laughs> so my pick is not cheating, but I will get the phasers out of the way. Because amazingly, it is a duplicate. And I didn't want to say much about it when, uh, when the pick came earlier because I didn't want to spoil it. But it's right along uh, with a pick from Thad. Five words and a hashtag. Pete is a great boss, hashtag. A tachyon being directed at a Class B itinerant pulsar could produce enough gravimetric energy to create an artificial singularity. It is Voyager Season 6, Episode 10, Pathfinder. 
And the reason I picked this is because I learned so much from Pete Harkins. What a hell of a boss. Mm-hmm. I just love the way he encourages Barkley to be his best. He tries to help him from the very get-go. He realizes his abilities and his qualities, and he he puts him in a position to succeed and let him be part of a team and lead a team. And, you know, obviously things go south in the episode when Barkley gets a little too obsessed with Voyager and has some trouble, um, you know, staying inside the parameters he needs to. But from Barkley's standpoint, he was always making the right call, just kind of getting a little too deep into it. But when they, I love the moment when they finally successfully connect to the Midas array, connect to Voyager and Pete's right there helping Barkley get the signal. And then when they hear, when they hear Janeway saying, uh, do you read us from Voyager? Pete turns to Barkley and says, I think she's talking to you. I just feel like he is a great manager and I love the way he tries to involve and engage Barkley, a guy who he knows has had, you know, uh, a work track record that's had some uh, challenges in terms of being on a team. So I've reviewed Mr. Barkley's plan and I think it's worth an attempt. He's already tried, sir, without your authorization. It didn't work. I'm sorry to hear that. So am I, sir. I appreciate your confidence in me, but I, I don't deserve it. What would you like me to do with him, Admiral? He broke into the lab, accessed the Midas array, resisted arrest. You put me in a difficult position, son. I was hoping that we'd be able to... We're receiving a transmission. From where? Coordinates 343.6 by 27. The wormhole. Voyager. Rich, give me a hand clearing up the signal. Lower the filter band by 0.3 kilohertz. This is Captain Catherine Janeway. Do you read me? I think she's talking to you. Captain, this is Lieutenant Reginald Barkley at Starfleet Command. It's good to hear your voice, Lieutenant. Yeah, uh, I love that pick. I love that you picked it as well, Thad, and, and it fit right in. So I'm interested to hear your take on Pete Harkins. <laughs> uh, I think Pete Harkins is awesome. Uh, he he definitely struggles at times uh, with his relationship with Barkley, but you can tell that his heart is in the right place and he is really trying. Yes. Okay. It sounds like you're quantifying, but uh, <laughs> is it because he, I mean, it's tough because when you're, there's a team and a management at some mm-hmm. level, there's a, there's, I mean, it's just like Starfleet. There's rules and regulations that need yep. to be followed at some level. And he knows that it's not healthy with his guys sleeping all night and living inside yeah. the holodeck. So no, it's absolutely he's not. Like, he's doing everything he can to like support and manage this guy without just kicking him out on the street, which I love. Yeah, no, he absolutely is. But you can also tell that he doesn't really know what to, he, he's not sure what he can do to help him either. Uh, but there wasn't necessarily anything he could. So that's not really a yep. fault on his part. No, that's a good observation though. And in, in terms of uh, people helping, uh, it, let's be straight about it. Since this is a more personal episode of Trek Reads, when you're helping people that may have a little bit of a uh, mental illness or or disability that they're that they're struggling with in, the, in that environment, which which Barkley, in all honesty, is at some level. It's um, he's neurodiverse. Yes, yes, yes. Well said, uh, Abby. What's your take on this one? I'd love to work for Pete Harkins. I mean, <laughs> Me too. to have a boss 
who recognizes your strengths and does all that they can to support you in your passions as well as your duties is pretty much all you can ask for in a good leader. And he is doing all he can to be supportive and to really make sure that nobody on his team is left behind. And that's admirable. Well said, Abby. I love it. Oh my God. This, these lists, this is awesome. You guys, I turned out uh, even better than I'd hoped. Let's, uh, let's any near close misses for secondary systems that you guys uh, have Abby. Oh yes. Um, I'll run through mine real quick. Cause I had almost made it for each of my, my rounds. So my almost made it for a premiere episode was caretaker. Another wonderful beginning, great setup, great characterization, cool yep. concept. I mean, that one is fantastic. My almost time travel episode was city on the edge of forever, which is such a wonderful episode and so many layers. I know it's been discussed on time on Trek ranks over and over again, but again, a classic top 10 episode for a reason. I thought you were going to pick it when you were doing your five words. That was good. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic episode. And yeah. again, it shows the heart of Star Trek, which I think has come through in all of our picks, that there's yeah. so much heart in all of this. My um, almost holodeck episode was Ship in a Bottle from TNG, which was probably my hardest cut because I absolutely adore all the mind bending in there. And another Reg Barkley moment in there, like to really show him popping up and, and at the end where he's yep. trying to end the program, it's perfect. Yeah. And my almost sci-fi concept was um, who watches the watchers from TNG, which I think is that great episode of, you know, people with enough tech seem like gods. And that's a yep. very interesting and, and timely lesson for us. And there were t- too many arcs that I couldn't do because they would be forever long. I mean, the Nog arc, the Wharf arc, the, you know, the Romulans, you could pull it. There's, I, Arcs were big. I had to really contain yeah. that one. And then there were two episodes I wish I could have just put in because they're just that good. I wish I could have put in In the Pale Moonlight, mm-hmm. but I didn't want somebody who was brand new to Trek to get the wrong impression of Cisco watching it. But that episode is so good. And as soon as you know Cisco is a man, you should watch that episode. And my favorite short Trek, which I couldn't get in, was Calypso. I think that is just a beautiful piece. And anybody who wants to see what Star Trek can really be, that doesn't even have a single main cast member in it. And it is a beautiful 15 minutes of science fiction and of Star Trek. Yet. But uh, we're, who True. knows, with True. Zora. Zora could be connected deeply, I, and I hope that happens. I love that. Calypso would be great for your list. In the Pale Moonlight would have uh, torpedoed your list because <laughs> that would not yeah. be, that would be a not, that's not a good one to intro anybody. No. To. It's a fantastic no. episode, but. I know. That's why it fell in my category of, I just wish I could have put this yeah, one in. It's so good. But uh, Thad, how about you? Any other outside, out, the secondary systems picks for you? Uh, the only other one I had uh, was how I uh, approach religion, which I was considering putting New Eden on the list. Ooh, good one. That's a great one. Or Who Watches the Watchers. Yeah. Two great yep, ones that was also a thought. Yep. yep, I love it. Okay, and I only have a couple. My toughest cut, I actually, almost right to the end, I decided to move it off the list, was uh, Arena from TOS. Ooh. And I, I even did a five words and a hashtag simply trying to protect themselves. Hashtag we destroyed invaders. <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, the whole ship of the enterprise learning that, Oh wait, we actually might be in the wrong here. And the Gorn were just defending their, uh, their planet there. 
And Devil in the Dark, of course, also yeah. fits into that in terms of uh, learning that we were the monster. Uh, I always say monster instead of monster. <laughs> Just want cheese. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's Herman Monster. <laughs> and two other picks. I had Tam Elbrun in Tin uh-huh. Man because I think he was misunderstood and Data was really the guy that, that cut through on him. And then special shout out to Harry Kim. He doesn't need anybody to choose my <laughs> friends for me. Accepting Tom Paris at the beginning of Caretaker, a wise oh, choice. That's a lovely little bit. Yeah, that was. I really, I really love it. These lists were awesome. Super cool way to dive into Trek in a little bit of a with a little bit of a different scope. So appreciate it, guys. Let's get into our regeneration cycle and go through some stats and a quick recap of our picks. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay, quick recap of our picks. Abby, run down your list of five. My round five was a premiere episode, and it was Broken Bow from Enterprise, season one, episode one. My round four was a time travel episode, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, Discovery, season one, episode seven. Round three, a holodeck episode, was Crisis Point from Lower Decks, season one, episode nine. Round two, best sci-fi concept, Blink of an Eye from Voyager, season six, episode 12. And my big cheat, round one, cross-series connection, the Tribbles arc, TOS, Trouble with Tribbles, season two, episode 15. The animated series, More Tribbles, More Troubles, season one, episode five. DS9, Trials and Tribulations, season five, episode six. And Short Trek, The Trouble with Edward. I love you really went there and listed off all your triple episodes. Fantastic. Yeah, they're all good. <laughs> so, but like you said, you had basically one from every series. Even, I got everything in even, except TNG and Picard. And that was driving me nuts in the shower this morning. I'm like, is, oh, can I figure it out? I couldn't. I couldn't. That's awesome. It. That's awesome. All right, Thad, break down your five. Uh, my number five was TNG season four, episode 21, The Drumhead. Uh, my number four was DS9 Season 3, Episodes 11 and 12, Past Tense. My number three was TOS Season 2, Episode 6, The Doomsday Machine. Uh, my number two was Voyager Season 6, Episode 10, Pathfinder. And my number one was the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, Looking Back at Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And Fantastic. So you basically had two DS9 picks, if we count that documentary, and mm-hmm. then one each from TNG, Voyager, and TOS. And my list of uh, episodes that helped kind of shape the way I judge uh, people and, and work with people and manage them. Number five, it was from TNG, Lower Decks with Picard and Cito Jaxa. Number four, the next phase from TNG with Riker and Ensign Rowe. Number three from Deep Space Nine, Heart of Stone, Cisco and Nog. My number two pick was from Voyager Parallax, Janeway and Belana Torres. And my number one pick from Voyager Pathfinder with Pete Harkins and Reg Barkley. Okay, so if we're we don't have too many stats, we had one duplicate, so that is pretty cool. <laughs> Our series breakdown, we covered a lot. There were no no films and no Star Trek Picard, but everything else got a mention. 
We had one from TOS, Enterprise, Discovery, Lower Decks, and Short Tracks, because that's the one I'm counting from uh, Abby's Cheat. <laughs> and then three each from TNG and Deep Space Nine and four from Voyager. So we really covered everything in our Trek 101. I love that. And I will say I was starting to track this because we had so many uh, picks that were amongst my top one or two on yeah. Trek ranks. And there was five different episodes that were either the number one or number two episode on Trek ranks mentioned in their uh, respective series. So that's pretty cool. Okay, we're done with that. Right now we have entered into a temporal distortion. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you. The temporal distortions are fracturing space-time throughout the ship. Cause? Unknown. We definitely know the cause, Tuvok. It's all the amazing feedback that we continue to receive from our listeners here at Trek Ranks. And this week's temporal distortion is truly a major temporal distortion. Because as I was going through my super organized record of voicemails and, and feedback that we get, I found one from over a year ago that we haven't played yet that I somehow misplaced. So it's not super organized, Jim. And uh, it's an awesome one. It is from our friend of the show, Deb Moltisanti, at Silverdoe25 on Twitter. She left us a voicemail about a year ago for the topic Top 5 Meta Trek References, which was episode 71 from December of 2019. Super fun topic. And here is Deb's awesome voicemail. Hey, Jim. It's Debbie Moltisanti at Silverdoe25. I just finished the uh, meta episode of Trek Ranks. I had my list ready, so here we go. At number five, I have Enterprise Season 1, Episode 1, Broken Bow, and the characters Commander Williams, Admiral Leonard, and Admiral Forrest, obviously the reference to the original TOS trilogy. At number four, I have Enterprise... The opening sequence with the space shuttle Enterprise in the opening, to me, that was art that imitates life, that then imitates art. We know that the shuttle was named Enterprise because a petition for that to happen in, with our shuttle prototype, and then it came back in the opening sequence. I just think that's really cool and meta. My uh, super on pick is Discovery Season 2, Episode 9, Project Daedalus. Within the beginning of the show, there's a 3D model of Spock's brain, which I think is kind of meta. And number two is Discovery Season 2, Episode 10, The Red Angel. Um, the little snippet when Tilly comes barging into the conference room and says she should have knocked, but kind of pointless because these doors pretty much open on their own most of the time. And finally, my number one pick is uh, Breakout the uh, Torpedoes because it was the Star Trek Beyond photo of Star Trek V's cast as the send-off to Leonard Nimoy. Thanks very much. It was an awesome episode. A fantastic list. I love... Deb's picks there. I especially loved her number four pick, which was the original Space Shuttle Enterprise, which was art imitating life, imitating art, a cool meta pick. And of course, her number one, the Star Trek V cast photo that was used <laughs> as a send-off for Little Nimoy in 
the great Star Trek Beyond. Awesome list from Deb. So once again, those picks definitely good enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal distortion. So as always, I want to thank everyone again for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Please keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own Trek 101 list or a list from any of our past shows and give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527 at 609-512-LLAP. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks and on the next episode of Trek Ranks. It's that time again. It's the end of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. So we're doing our usual Trek Ranks breakdown of the most recent season of Trek it's the top five Discovery Season 3 moments. So, Abby and Thad, if you had to choose one moment from this amazing season of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, what would it be, Abby? All right. I have to go a little bit more general because I know you usually do, like, a, an element of the show. The costuming yep. this season yes. has been impeccable. So Absolutely good. impeccable. And like, I can't remember an episode where I haven't turned to my husband and said something about somebody's costume there. And I cannot wait for the cosplay to come out of this season. And like, I think <laughs> particularly about uh, when they went and saw the the president of Naval first, her whole collar oh, and so good. the neckline, it was so Vulcan, yet so different with the Romulan shoulders yep. and it, the details. Like if you watch that from behind and you see it from behind for maybe 10 seconds, <laughs> it's incredible. It was absolutely incredible. So the costuming this time, if it doesn't win an Emmy, then somebody's not paying attention. I was going to ask you for an example, but you could not have come up with a better one. Oh. The, the president of Navarre's yes. uh, outfit is incredible, amazing. And I love the Admiral Vance and all the, the new yes. Starfleet uniform. Super cool. And I love Book's outfit. I could keep going. Thad, how about you? Pick uh, one thing from Star Trek Season 3, uh, Star Trek Discovery. I've got to pick my girl Grudge the Cat. Uh, <laughs> yes all right grudge she say no more she's a queen indeed outstanding addition she is a queen all right so before we wrap it up a huge thanks to abby summer and thad hate great to have you guys both on the show i was wondering if you could show me how to access these subspace communications logs me too, Neelix. Any final Trek subspace communications for either one of you guys want to depart before we leave, Abby? I just want to say thank you again, Jim, for having me on. This is always such an honor and so much fun and such the best homework. We always joke on Twitter that Trek Ranks homework is the best homework, but it really is. And it came <laughs> at a great time of the year for me to have this little pick me up. So Thank you for being part of my Star Trek community. Awesome. We love to hear that. Dad, I know you were tweeting about Trek. Right I can't homework. say anything better than what has just been said. So oh. there we go. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. You guys were awesome. Great show. I want to thank everyone again for engaging with us here on episode 101 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. I can't tell you how many times a veteran has come up to me and they would say, that show, that show helped me. It helped me when I came back. It helped me get through, you know, whatever the individual was dealing with. And that's powerful.
Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. Blows up, killing Nog. We kill Nog. I'm sorry, guys. Someone has to go. I drove all the way here thinking, O'Brien, O'Brien, we kill O'Brien, it'll freak everyone out. But by the time I parked, it was like, Nog. Damn it, Ira. Don't kill Nog. Jesus Christ. Bullshit.